kids can be dismissed. We're going to look at 2 Timothy. We're at chapter, we're going to be at chapter 3 today. Got a few verses we're going to read before we get into it here. As soon as it gets up, we'll look at that. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, and then we're going to look at, we'll look at the other but read then 14 through 17. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal. Not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Then in verse 14, but as for you, continue in what and what you have become convinced of, because you know, the, from, know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Who's seen these books the Four Dummies series of books. Has anyone ever bought one or used one? Yeah, some have. They, they actually can be very helpful. And, you know, this was started so over 30 years ago. And the first book was DOS for Dummies. If you remember, if you're old enough to remember DOS language when computers were first coming out, it wasn't what we have, more the graphics-based intuitive. It was more just coding. And it was quite confusing for those who weren't computer real computer heads. But uh, since that time, it's expanded out to, you know how many? Over 2,500 different titles. Think of that. 2,500 different topics in this. And they've sold over 200 million different books, such as if you want to learn string theory, you know, if you really want to get into physics, string theory for dummies. Or how about pin interest? Maybe some of you like pin interest. Or potty training. How about that? They even got one for potty training. I have not looked at that book, but I thought, you've got to be kidding, potty training for dummies. And it's become, they've become part of our culture. If you ever saw that movie, Night at the Museum, Ben Stiller uses a, one of those books to try to figure out how to do his job. And there's, the whole idea of these is to write maybe difficult or subjects you don't know in plain language, not use technical words, but but words that we can relate to and understand so that we can know a subject in ordinary language. It's accessibility. And the Apostle Paul here is really doing that for us. He's trying to make the gospel of Jesus Christ accessible so that we can understand what Christ has done for us. Now, this changes everything. And through the word of God, to make it accessible to you and to me so that we can be built up in the glorious holy faith, through words that we can understand and know. Simply put, we can say, this is God's guide to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Specifically here in chapter 3, it's for us to make us wise unto salvation, unto what it means to have a relationship with God. And in this, the Apostle Paul, as he writes this from prison, writing this, under persecution in prison, near the end of his life. And he wants Timothy to go on with the good news of the gospel so that it would come to the succeeding generations and continue on to us and to those who come after us. 
That's what Paul's heart was and what he tried to do. This is wisdom. Wisdom guide for living, this scripture, from Paul to Timothy and to all of us who come after us. And remember, we've been talking about what the gospel means. The gospel means, of course, what? Good news, right? The gospel is good news. This is good news. We were separated from God. We were alienated in our sin. But through Jesus entering the world, he reconciles with God when we put our faith and trust in him so that we now have peace with God. Our sins are no longer counted against us, but as we sang in the song, that we are the righteousness, have the righteousness of God. So we're made right in God's eyes, so we're at peace with him, and we have what? Eternal life. This is good news. That's why the gospel is good news for you and me. And as we look at this, we want to consider just a couple questions about these words that Paul speaks to us here in 2 Timothy in the third chapter. Because he wants us to move from a focus on self to a focus on Christ Jesus. The first chapter we said we hold fast the valuable deposit. And then last week we talked about we press on, endure, even through hardships and difficult times. Well, here we chart a course to stay on track with the good news of the gospel because this is so important. So the question first we're going to ask is, am I perpetually adrift? And that's what we see in these first verses. You notice what, what Paul was saying, how crazy it was in the first verses of what he was observing of what was taking place in people's life. He looks ahead and he sees what's going on, not only in the culture and the day he lives, but also what's going on in succeeding generations. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, what was going to take place here in 2022 and beyond through the Spirit. And so thus he said these things of what was taking place. Mark this, there will be terrible times in these last days. And the last days is that period from in between Christ's first coming and when he comes again. We live in the last days. And the reason that scripture is called the last days is there's nothing else that needs to take place until Jesus returns. All of God's work, the first coming set forth so Jesus can come. There's no succeeding thing that has to take place. So that's what he, the scriptures refer to as the last days. And that's the time in which we live. And Paul, by the Holy Spirit, sees in the last days that there would be times of trouble, of crisis, that people would be under pressure. And under that pressure, the, the tendency is to crumble, to be selfish, to be turned inwards, to concern only about ourselves. And we look at our world over the last years. Haven't we seen that take place in so many? That in the pandemic many have kind of, well, let's turn inward. Or what's taking place in Ukraine even recently? And the thought that, you know, we don't know what's going to take place, but how Putin is acting and how he lives and how he is as an evil dictator, we don't know if World War III might be around the corner. We can't exclude that possibility. Paul, under the Spirit, sees these things taking place and says, these are the, some of the crises that are going to come. And how are we going to react to that? How are you and I going to react? Because without God, here's what people are. Lovers of self, of money, proud, boastful, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, nothing sacred or, or you know, set apart to God, unloving, unforgiving, without self-control. Seek pleasure, not God. Have a religious form, 
but without the gospel's power. When Paul was saying that 2,000 years ago, does this speak to how a lot of people are in our world today? No one can deny this, can we? I mean, this, we see this go, there's a lot of pockets, there's a lot of places in our country, in our world, where this is how people generally live. Paul saw by the Spirit what was taking place. And he wants the church, the people of God, not to fall into this sort of life, to not be self-contained, self-centered, self-focused. This is the highlight of uh, someone who lives for themselves, who's a narcissist, concerned first and foremost about themselves above all others. These perilous times that Paul is talking about. But that's not how we should be as followers of Christ. There's, when you love pleasure rather than loving God, we, the culture, the, the person, is in a great deal of trouble. For these are terrible times. God should be at the center of our lives with life, family, self, ministry, church, finances, work, hobbies, relationships, all these other things coming out of that. That's what he calls us to do. But in times of stress and pressure, do you find that it's easier to fall into patterns of preservation of self, of, of being selfish and thinking only of yourself? When stress comes, it's easy for us, if we're not well-trained, disciplined in the faith, to fall into those patterns. And Paul wants us to be trained, to be disciplined, so that we are not like those of the world, that we're aware of what's happening, so that we, as he says in the first chapter, we have a spirit not of timidity, of weakness, but of power, love, and self-control. That's what Paul wants Timothy to, to, how, to live and then to pass on to us so that we live that well, way as well. The gospel solution to this is what? To be God-centered. To be God-centered, to be radically God-centered, to not be centered on the things of the world, but be centered on God, and then take all the things that happen in the world in form and in context of how God wants us to act and live in response to that. Maybe an analogy for us. Everyone knows what a porcupine is, right? But how would it be in a, if the animals in the forest, a ter terrible snowstorm came and hit and the animals in the forest all get together? Who wants to cuddle with the porcupine? Because what do porcupines do? The quills go out. I mean, I think, in a sense, that's self-centeredness. Self-centeredness is that. It's the quills go out and go, no, no, I'm just looking out for myself, rather than, you know, kind of helping in the community and working out together, trusting in God. That's self-centered behavior, really just focusing on self and not caring about others. But the gospel is something different. It's substance, it's depth, and it's brings about for us a place for us to live. Not in appearance-based Christianity. Not saying, I'm a Christian, and then living to myself. But that we live out our faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. If we love self more than God, we're adrift. We're adrift in this world. We're adrift in life. We're disconnected. We're not where God wants us to be. That's what happens. So when you say, am I perpetually adrift? That means I'm self-indulgent. I'm self-centered, not living in the way that Christ has called me to live. A God-centered faith, and thus obedience, lasts. It doesn't just 
survive but thrives even in the perilous times. And Paul, what an example for us in this. He's an example, someone who was able to thrive even in prison and persecutions and threats against his life. For us as followers of Christ, we are to be those who even are able to thrive in difficult times. And in this chapter, Paul goes on and brings up examples of those who were self-centered and wanted, you know, whether it's money or pleasures rather than God, and how God opposed them. And that they are adrift because they're not anchored and rooted in Christ, they're rooted in self, selfish living. Are we, are you, am I, 100% rooted in Christ, in the love of Christ, in his truth, so that not that we're perfect, not that we don't make mistakes, but that we continue to say, God, use me, help me, give me strength, help me to be about your work, and help me to understand life and what's happening around me, in my work, in my family, according to your word. Being secured to the truth, not adrift in a self-centered, self-interested, alone manner, because that's why we're adrift. Well, the second question is, am I properly anchored? Are we anchored? Are we properly anchored to the word of God and to the God himself through his word? Some people are adrift because they follow their own course, rejecting the way of Christ. They do it willingly, but others flounder and maybe are adrift because they don't realize it, which raises that question, am I properly anchored so we don't drift away in life? Drifting can be subtle, right? If it's just slightly choppy, you're out on a boat, you can see a drift, but it's subtle versus when the storms come. But Paul was anchored to Christ through his life. When the difficult times came, he kept living for Christ faithfully. When he was thrown in prison, not the first time, the second, third, but continuing all the times because he was anchored to God through God's word. If you like boating, some of you probably like boating. Verse 10, you, Timothy, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings. What kind of things happened to me? Because Paul was saying, Timothy, and to us, be anchored. Paul was properly anchored in the word of God. That's how we stay anchored. When the storms come, are you anchored? It makes a difference, doesn't it? If you're out in, whether it's Lake Pepin or Superior, or you're out in the ocean, or say, some place where the body of water is big. If a storm comes, you're out at night, it makes a difference if you're anchored. It makes a, 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 a massive difference. Here's a picture I took. We took a, uh, a little trip in the Bahamas a number of years ago with some family members. And so we were out, and there was the remnants of a hurricane that were around. And so every night, the storms would come in. And everyone seemed to sleep pretty well except me on that. But here's, we'd find a place, like a little cove or a protected area, and the captain of the ship would anchor the boat properly. And so everyone else slept, but I'd be up at 3 o'clock in the morning, the storms come through, I was praying, and making sure, you know, hoping, Lord, may we be properly anchored. But I think this is a tremendous analogy for us. You know, in life, if we're not properly anchored to the word of God, if we're not properly anchored to Christ through the word of God, when bumps come, we may be able to get by. But when the storms come, 
when the trials, the severe things of life happened, if we're not properly anchored to Christ through his word, we are going to break loose. And if you're in a boat and the storm's coming, you're not anchored, you're going to go out to sea, you're going to lose your way, you're going to crash into stores, smash another boat, being properly anchored. And for us, when the storms of life come, if we're anchored in Christ through his word, we will remain firm because we know the truth and we have the Holy Spirit who will help us in this. So when this inevitable storms come, we will be kept safe and secure by the power of Christ at work in our lives. That's what it is. Christ is a safe harbor for us in life. Different types of anger. Jesus is the anchor to my soul. He's the one we can find safe harbor in. We're anchored to him through his word. But as for you, continue in what you have learned. What we have learned, what we have seen in the scriptures, Timothy, what he had been taught from Paul, what he's teaching us, this is where we're anchored. This is where we continue on, unlike those who have drifted away into self-centered living. Paul says that continue on. Remain faithful to the things that you have been taught because this is God's way to make us wise to salvation in life. For the scripture is God's, we could say, the instruction manual, the guide, the truth for all of situations. And there's no way that any of us as individuals, that we collectively as the church of Christ, whether the larger church or individually here at Bethel Covenant Church, we can't go on with the gospel if we don't hold to the word of God and stay anchored in his word. For the scripture is the guide to the gospel. And I read an article about one person who was talking about in the Christian church he's finding that far too often there's like a Bibleless Christianity where the Bible is kind of, you know, downplayed, ignored, or maybe just a couple verses are picked up, but the bulk of it is kind of set aside. And we sing and we celebrate, but the scripture, the truth, the whole truth of what God has given to us, that gospel, that good news, isn't proclaimed and made known. Well, when the storms come in churches and people like that, they will be adrift when the storms come. It's only when we're anchored in the word of God, anchored to Christ through his word, will we stay strong. For the scripture is a guide to the gospel, to that good news. And we must never tire of it or lose it. That's why we want to study it, read it, because it builds us up in life and gives us wisdom for living. For We've been saying we never master the gospel. The gospel, the good news of Christ is to master, change, transform us so that we are people who are firm in our lives, no matter what comes. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those, and from whom you have learned it. That's what we're to. We are to be people to go forward in the gospel of Jesus Christ, to go forward with his strength. Well, the third thing we want to see, did I miss funny how sometimes you miss a slide somehow it disappeared but anyway am I the third question am I purposefully active that's the third question we want to ask am I purposely active in other words we want to stay secure we don't want to be adrift we don't want to be adrift fall into selfish self-indulgent living we want to be connected and anchored in the word of God and am I purposely active? Do I know where the, what the scriptures are? Am I connected with them so that I can go forward in the faith? 
as we said, Jesus is the anchor for our soul, we find here in these tremendous verses, in 2 Timothy 3, verses 15 and 16, and I'm sure many of you know these, but they're just great verses that help us see how God has given us his word so we stay anchored and rooted in Christ. Verse 15, And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is God-breathed, comes from God, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God, that everyone who knows God through Christ, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is what the scriptures are to do for us. And he breaks it down. The scriptures are here for teaching, to instruct us in what's true, so we know what's true, what's right, what's correct. What is from God, the God who made the world and loves us, for rebuking. In other words, when we get off track, when we're going the wrong way, it rebukes us to positively get us back on the right path. For correcting, fixes us when we're wide of the mark. When we make a mistake, when we do the wrong thing, it helps us say, no, that's wrong. Let's do this over again. Do it right. And do it without sin. For training in righteousness teaches us to do what's right so that we know what is right in God's eyes. This is inspired. It's from God's very breath. In other words, it comes from his very spirit, who he is. This is his truth for you and I, what he's revealed to us so that we can stay anchored in him in this crazy world of pandemics and wars, that we stay anchored in what God has intended for you and for me. These are words of life for us, to shape us into lives that conform to what he has for us which is in our best interest. These are words of life, what God wants for us. You know, in Deuteronomy, Moses said to the people of God, when he was sharing with them God's word, he said, these words are life. This is what he's saying to us. These words are life for you, to us as individuals, as a church, so that we can be active and prepared for everything that God has for us. God has given them to us for a reason, for our salvation, for our daily living, for the work that he calls us to, that ministry, verse 17, so that we may thoroughly equip for every good work. We have been given a mission as a redeemed people to build God's kingdom, right? To build that kingdom of God. That's our mission. Paul, as he was in this lonely prison, soon to meet his death, shouts out for Timothy and for us to continue on with his mission, the mission which is worthwhile and will be valuable for all eternity. Are you equipped, trained for these things of God, active for the kingdom of God? For life will knock us down. Life will try to push us over and knock us down. But when we're anchored and fixed to God's word through what Jesus has done for us, we will stay strong by the power of the Spirit because we're secured to the truth to eternal truth. God alone, the God who made the world, who loves you, who loves us, he's the God who is judge. And so as we're secured to the truth, we will be protected and be safe, even amidst the trouble and trials that we experience. This is our certain hope. You see how the scriptures are our guide? Paul wants us to understand. As Jesus is the anchor for my soul, 
our guide to the gospel. The scriptures is our guide, that wisdom for life. So that we don't have to be tossed aside like so many in our world who are confused and uncertain. We don't have to be like that, kicked around, tossed aside or thrown, crashing into the shore. Because we have as our guide the word of God, anchored and rooted, that points us to Jesus Christ. With the scripture as our guide, we are secured to the truth for now, for today, for tomorrow, and for every day. Secure yourselves to the truth so that we aren't adrift, but that we're properly anchored and we're purposefully pushing on in the mission that God calls us to. That's why we as followers of Jesus Christ can be excited even in the midst of these difficult times in which we live because we are connected, live on the truth of God and have a purpose and a mission. And someday people's eyes will be opened and will be open to the word of God and will be receiving his mission. And we can be conduits of the grace of Jesus Christ. So let us be those who are securely anchored to Christ through his word. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we thank you for this good news. This, Lord, we ask that you would saturate our lives and hearts with this message. Lord, that we would always remember, though it may not always be an easy message, it is the best message for our lives and for our future. Lord, it is good news, and we thank you for it, what you have done for us in Christ. Lord, encourage us by your Spirit to keep keep wading into your word because it's where we want to be anchored and how we're connected with you for this is your very breath that you have given to us. Thank you for it. And may you use it to train us, correct us, rebuke us, and help us to walk with you, we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.